Defender Discussions, this will be our second to last edition of February. We do squeeze one more in yet next week with it being leap year and all, but it's Thursday, February 22, and we are talking, and uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, including uh, basketball season wrapping up, GPAC championships for track and field have concluded. We're looking forward now to the NAI National Championship, and then you throw in baseball, softball, men's volleyball, cheer and dance, uh, hockey with some uh, honors coming in. So we've got a lot to get to, and uh, let's jump right in. I'm joined today by Josh Tatton and Matt Boss. And let's take a look at all of those things that have happened. We begin with track and field as they went to Yankton, South Dakota at the uh, invite the Great Plains Athletic Conference Championships actually hosted by the Mount Marty Lancers. And in that one, uh, the women finished uh, right around what we thought they might. Uh, third place ended up uh, unable to catch Doan and Concordia. And then on the men's side, it ended up being uh, the Doan Tigers dominating as we thought they might. And the Dort Defender men actually performed pretty well, just not enough points out there for them to get. Matt, you were on site your first of all, I guess, your overall impressions uh, of Dort's competition, but also the overall level of competition within the conference this year in indoor track and field. Yeah, um, it was a great day, uh, not just for defender track and field, but for the GPAC. Um, numerous records were set throughout the day, and in multiple race, in, in a race, you could have multiple records set. Like the second place finisher was better than the old record time. So just a great day for the GPAC and kind of excited moving forward on what uh, our conference can do at the national level. Uh, Specifically about the defenders, let's talk about the women first. Um, Four champions, uh, one of the relays, the four by eight relay, and uh, that was good because they hit the auto standard. They had only hit the provisional, so congratulations to them, and uh, they're seated about 12th or 13th, I think, at nationals. Um, Jessica Campman Walzak had a great day. Um, she had the uh, best performance of the meet it, that was just released. That's hot off the press. Yeah, mind I saw you. that. Yep. Um, she broke the record in the three thousand meter, but she was pushed in that race and in the mile with a Concordia runner. Uh, those were nice duels. And if you look at our pictures that we posted, there's a couple of photos where Jessica is reaching for the finish line, stretching it out. And in a race like those, those long ones, to have to do that to get the win, you know, the competition was quite something. And then Lucy Borkowski was our last GPAC champion on the women's side and feel really good for her because she's been the runner-up once, maybe twice before in that event. And she does the double, the 5,000 and the 3,000 in a single day. She's not the only one to do that, but uh, she got the win there. And out of the ladies, uh, six qualifying times or marks were set, 18 total all-conference honors. That's a top eight finish in an event. That summarizes the women, Mike. Okay, and they finished third. And in terms of the team race, kind of what we expected. And uh, the... Did Concordia end up? No, it, Concordia, Concordia won the women, and yep. they're they're very they've got a lot of te- depth on that team. The way it looks, and they just score and piled up points. Yeah, they score almost in every event, and numerous athletes in each event. They overwhelmingly took home the title. Yeah, seventy points. Dort was. A very solid third. They weren't going to catch Doan, but uh, the team behind them, I think it was Hastings probably, wasn't going to catch us either. A very good finish for the ladies who got a lot of contributions for, from some freshmen and from some younger athletes. Yeah, Coach Chinan said that, you know, this younger group uh, had the opportunity to visit with him earlier this week, and we'll get that interview up on our website soon. Um, 
he mentioned the fact that, you, and it, and it's not even just the athletes who were at the GPAC championship who qualified, but he feels like there is some depth being developed with uh, the group that maybe not quite there yet, but give them another outdoor season, and then if they hang with it into next year, you just don't know what's going to happen with that group. Exactly. You know, you have a little bit of the crossover. You have the cross-country runners who qualified for nationals, are they true distance or is the 800 or a four by eight the best? And so there's just that figuring out period of what's going to be best for some of those newcomers. And, and, and we're getting it figured out right now. On the men's side, Doan ends up with 28 points. And I don't know that did, did it ever feel like, okay, we're, we're threatening or was it Doan in control basically from the time the field events started coming in? Last week, we kind of painted a picture of what it, how it was going to unfold. Doan with the edge early and then Dort was going to come on strong. Um, I think it was probably midway through that long series of running events where I thought, I think we're just going to come up a bit short. Um, Doan, they're very good in the field events, but they're starting to appear in the distance races as well, and they get some points there. So was it close? Was it dramatic? No. Um, the triple jump was a cool event. I may have told you, both of you guys this, but that's going on while the running events are going on, and it's a Doan guy and Micah Scott dueling it out, and every jump, the lead switch hands. And uh, ultimately, it was Doan getting Micah just by a little bit. But uh, th- that there was a lot of people watching that and a lot of celebration, a lot of cheers every time those guys jumped. So it was close enough that it was had the attention of the fans. On the men's side, and we talked about the fact that Peyton Malden uh, was entered in several events. He ends up accounting for how many points? 20, 20, 28. 20, I was going to say 24, but 28. Uh, he wins the 400 and... Uh, he was involved in the 800 as well, run, won that in a time of 156.64. Uh, was involved in some relays as well. Um, he gets performer of the meet, and that boils down to who scores the most points, correct? Correct. And it was all three opens. He did not com- run in a relay. It was okay. the 200 meter where That's he right, got yeah. second. So the two, the four, and the eight. Uh, did not enter him in the six. He just as well could have, but he also could have run the relays as well. But, you know, bigger things are on the horizon next week at Nationals for this defender team and uh, the coaching staff. And Peyton came to consensus on what he was going to run, and he did well. He did Peyton-type things. And that leads us into what does the national picture look like? That begins one week from today on Thursday, and uh, there are some relay prelims run on Thursday. Is that correct? I have not looked at the schedule. I'm going to be honest. I haven't looked. Sure. So what what does it look like on Thursday? So Thursday, you are exactly right. It is the prelims for the relays. And there are three of them, the DMR the 4x8, and the 4x4. The only one that a defender team is not going to be in is the women's 4x4. We will occupy spots in the other five. Also that day, the very first race is the women's and men's 5,000 meter, and sadly, that is also a semifinal. they got to come back and do that again two days later. I don't like that. I don't either, and we will have runners in those, and those are events that we hope to score in. And then uh, Friday is the semifinal day for a lot of the individual events that we're in, but it's also the finals of a 4 by 8 and uh, we're pretty excited about our possibilities for the 4 by 8 there. So going there, there is a pretty distinct possibility the men's team could score some points. Um, Coach Heinen says top five finish is 
a realistic yep. goal and you don't want to say anything more than that simply yep. because there are so many things that can happen in that setting. But oh, yeah. uh, you just think there's a possi- there are points out there for this team to get. Most definitely. And the nice thing is the four, the six, the eight, the thousand, those dis- distances, there's depth there. And so it's now up to the coaches and the athletes, okay, how, what do we enter these guys in? You know, because you can enter them in more than one event, but there's always the prelims. And so you get, you don't want to wear yourself out either. You want to use your depth, utilize that depth. So we'll see what that lineup unfolds and excited, exciting for next week. You are heading to Brookings. I assume you'll probably be there, what, Wednesday already? I need to be there or earlier? Wednesday, than- Wednesday night. I'm planning to get there late after our GPAC quarterfinal basketball stuff. And, sure. then, and then it'll start uh, Thursday afternoon. We'll probably do some sound tests in, in the morning. So. Sounds good. So that's the NAI National Championships, and that wraps up on Saturday. And uh, for you, the weather looks good traveling home. A couple of years ago, not so nice, but uh, this year uh, looks like it'll be smooth sailing. So uh, hope everything holds up there. Let's jump into basketball. Last night, the women and men traveled to the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota, with the uh, women coming away with, I believe it ended up being a 10-point win, and the men ended up with a 9-point victory. And in the women's contest, uh, a good first half by the defenders, and then it just felt like had to get through that second half somehow, some way, navigate some foul issues. And uh, they were able to get a win over a Dakota Wesleyan team that might be a little depleted because of injury, but still a very dangerous team, a young team. Their two leading scorers are freshmen. But the women, uh, a road win, and you don't want to take them for granted. And... uh, a road win is not an easy thing to do, especially at Mitchell with this uh, the, the Dort women's basketball team. A couple of things of note, more of questions since you were there. 29 points in each of the first and second quarters, very efficient offense, what was clicking, and then also we really did a number, a nice job shutting down the two leading scores for Dakota Wesleyan. Was that the focal point of our defense or just – happened to go that way in the flow of things. Um, first question on the points in the uh, first half, only had one turnover and then converted at 50% from the field. So obviously uh, the number of possessions and shots was high and they made baskets. And so, yeah, that resulted in 58 points in the first half and actually had 70 points with about 15 minutes left to go in the game. And then Dakota Wesleyan's defense got a little bit better, I thought. And sometimes the lid goes on the bucket, and that is to a certain degree what happened for the women's team. And they had to rely on their defense in the in the second half, and they were good enough defensively to get out with the win. Um, in terms of shutting down Dakota Wesleyan's t- players, um, I think you're talking about probably Emma Yost and Shalane Nagel. You nailed it. Um, Emma Yost didn't feel like she got many opportunities early. And then in the second half, the defenders started doubling the post pretty hard, and uh, they just weren't able to pass out of it very well. And uh, those two went a combined two for 12. I know some are discussing Emma Yost as a freshman of the year candidate, so she is a very capable player, averaging about 15 points per game. She, uh, yeah, the double team really affected her. And as she as she gets a little more... 
uh, seasoning to her, a little more experience. That will be less and less of a uh, of a concern. But last night she struggled with that. Looks like the bench <laughs> picked up pretty well too with Rosenquist with twenty six, but yeah. then also. I'm convinced if you put the opponent in a Dort jersey, Riley Rosenquist is probably an All-American. <laughs> I mean, that, that's right. uh, she she has, <laughs> I think it's I've three out of the four games I've seen her play against Dort, she's been exceptional, and I didn't see the playoff game last year. She you covered good. that one that night, Matt, or that afternoon. Um, she was good in that one. Uh, she just she got to the line a lot. Yeah, she thirteen for fourteen. Yeah, yeah don't get me started. Um, <laughs> she, she, she's very tough. Uh, she's a very good guard. Uh, can finish well around the basket. Um, her outside shooting probably not there yet, but she's very effective around the hoop. She's she is a very strong player. And uh, the thing about the Rosenquists, and I said it on the broadcast last night, her brother Randy is on the freshman on the team, and Randy Rosenquist, their dad, was an exceptional player for Heelan, and then actually went to USD, a very under the radar player. And he was probably about as tough and as competitive a player as there was. And so some of those genetics have been passed <laughs> down, it appears to me. And then you you mentioned that uh, Dort only had one turnover in the first half. But then, I mean, it didn't look like a lot of turnovers, period. Got a little loose with it in the yeah. second half. Ended up with nine of them. Um, some of that is just simply the style of play. Um, they're going to push it. They're going to... Uh, I think they might have had an offensive foul in there okay. too, and that counts as a turnover as well. But uh, Dakota Wesley in nineteen and eight this year, uh, one loss out of conference play. So they are still a very good team. I mean, that's what I look at. Uh, I've had several people say to me, "Hey, the G Pack women's basketball—they're kind of down," and it's like, ah, but take Not a look really. at the, <laughs> take a look at the non-conference schedule. There aren't if the if the conference were down. A team that is finishing fifth, sixth, or seventh, to me, should have more than one or two losses in their non-conference play. And, and that non-conference play was against number 16, Dakota State. Right. So a good opponent. Yeah. So I just I, – I, I still don't know what to make entirely of this GPAC schedule. Um, I do think – Dort's proven to be the best team through the course of the season. I believe Concordia is the second best team. I think Dakota Wesley and Briar Cliff are really close. I think Northwestern is right there, and if they were healthy this year, they'd be probably in that mix as well. I just don't think there's a big separation. Um, I, we watched it. There's not a huge separation between one and two on Saturday. And then there's not a big separation for three through six. Now, last night's scores, Northwestern got Morningside in a big way, but talking to some people in Orange City earlier this morning, they said, man, uh, they shot it really well. And, I mean, make baskets, things look a lot better. So, anyhow, that's the women's side. Any other questions? You've answered them. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're on the hot seat. Well, it feels that way. <laughs> That's what you get when you're there. <laughs> yeah. Men's basketball down seven early in the second half and then a 14 to nothing run. And it was Ben Fairclaw bookending it with a couple of buckets. And in between, I believe it was uh, Lucas Lorenzen with uh, a couple threes and a two. 
that's eight. I think Luke Rankin might have had a basket in there too. So that's your fourteen nothing run. And in effect, it, I don't want to say it was over at that point, but it was enough of a cushion. Dakota Wesley and had it down to three with under a minute left. Shot clock was winding down, and Bryce Kopick uh, was able to get to the rim, finished, went up by five, and really that pretty well wrote the fate for Dakota Wesley in last night. I was looking at the box score in the second half, and it was just kind of interesting because Bryce only had four points at that point, yep. and Connor Milliken two, and those are two guys that yep. have really scored well for us. And it's like, whoa, we still have a 10-point lead. So, you know, the, the trio of Lorenz and Faircloth rank and Ty Vanessa off the bench, they picked it up, and that's nice to see. Yeah, they need that. I mean, we, we know that Lucas Lorenzen is probably going to score points. He's going to get shot attempts. Uh, he goes 6 of 11 from the three-point arc, so they pile up pretty quickly. But, yeah, Ben Fairclaw, 6 of 10 from the floor last night. That was great to see. Luke Rankin started us. I think he scored 8 of the first 10 points, ends up with 12 points. And, uh, as you said, Bryce and Connor probably struggled a little bit shooting. But then Ty Vanessen comes in, picks up the slack, gets those eight points. I think he had two threes and a two. Um, yeah, it was – I like the fact that the team is winning games where they're not scoring 91 points um, because as the season progresses and the scouting reports get better and tendencies are out there and everybody looks at the percentages, you must figure out a way to win games in the 70s. In the last two games, the defenders have done just that. Good. Can't blow someone out every time. Gotta, no, gotta win the close ones. Got too which many. Is something they've struggled with. Too many good coaches. Too many good players yeah. in the league. And uh, at the end of the year, it it amazes me. I don't know if you guys look at numbers like I do, but it amazes me when you get done with an evening, and it's like, okay, the team shot about what they do for the year. I mean, they're, they're averages for a reason. And I know some will say, well, it's the measure of extremes, but. <laughs> it, the numbers at the end of the year, you don't get many anomalies. I mean, it, you are what you – I mean, you've got 27 games now in the books. You kind of are what you are. It doesn't – you don't get real surprised. Northwestern on Saturday. Um, women, Northwestern women playing for a lot. Uh, they want to try to keep their seeding spot. The Northwestern men also playing for a lot. They want to win and share of a conference title. And uh, for the Dort men, I, it looks to me like fifth place is as good as they're going to finish. Uh, they can catch Morningside for a tie for fourth, but Morningside would have the tiebreaker on them if the defenders would fall into a tie with Jamestown, who's playing Dakota Wesley at home. Uh, I think Jamestown has the tiebreaker, so that could slide us all the way to the sixth seed being tied for fifth with Jamestown. That's if I see everything correctly. All of the tournament play begins next Wednesday in uh, GPAC tournament action. What would that be? February 28th? Yes. Wednesday. Next, quarterfinals. Next Wednesday. Quarterfinals. Can so. I interject that I'm a I'm a advocate of chaos on the men's side? Well, I want I want, you want the, a three-way tie? I want a four-way tie. What? So Morningside <laughs> plays Briarcliff, goes to 14-6. and six. Concordia, Northwestern, Hastings, if they all lose, which is unlikely, but I'm, yeah. I want chaos. Yeah, it's possible. Four teams, 14-6, and six, that'd be fun. Have we ever had quad champs? If you do, I think in the Wh- women we side, have. Women's side, we have. I That's don't remember insane. it on the men. Yeah. Do you remember when the last time was that a women's team ran the table? It's a Morningside, Danny uh, Gass. Yeah, it probably is. 
2005, 2006. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. I mean, that, that did strike me on the ride home last night, and it's something that I haven't pondered a great deal. But uh, I, th- I think that was probably the last time somebody went undefeated. And uh, this season is not finished yet, so uh, we will see what happens on Saturday does beginning four, at 2 o'clock. Does four co-champions in the regular season give four bids to the national tournament? No, it goes to the number one seed in the postseason tournament. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's that's that is the tiebreaker. They all get trophies. Right. They are quad champs, but the number one seed in the tournament they get the auto bid and to so the that national. And so that goes into all the tiebreakers, and right? Whatnot. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So that's basketball. Um, let's circle back to baseball. They had the weekend off last weekend. They go to Benedictine in Atchison, Kansas this weekend for a pair of double headers. And uh, I think it has done the baseball team some good to have a week without play so they could regroup, if you will, and kind of figure out what they saw over the previous two weekends. But they'll play two double headers, and uh, they've also said, hey, the weather's really nice. So the JV team is actually playing on Monday of next week in Sioux City. So how about that? The end of February, they're going to play in 50 to 60 <laughs> degree weather for a double header there. But the baseball team, uh, they have, um, they play. Four games against the same opponent. Benedictine will be a very good test. And then regroup and get ready for the spring break trip, which begins the following uh, like 10 days from now. So uh, that is what's happening with baseball. Softball at the Dome last weekend lost their first game, if I remember. It's it's all a blur, so help me out here. <laughs> yeah, they, they lost, lost their City first State. game. Valley City State, they had some uh, women who could hit the ball. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, and then uh, the defenders, I am happy for them that they found a way to win three in a row to close the weekend because those were probably three gettable games, and uh, they were able to get them all. Didn't come without their tense moments, but uh, <laughs> they did find a way to get wins over York, Peru State, and Dakota State last weekend, and uh, Dakota State on the schedule again this weekend. Yeah, York, they uh, they, they handled that one pretty well. Yep. I mean, they played really good defense. They gave up nine hits, but only three runs, yep. which is solid, but they scored 11 runs on 11 hits, yep. won the game in five innings, so that was that was the first of the three games that they won, yep. and so that was really good to see, especially to see them piece together those three games. And then the next day, uh, Peru State. Had that one in hand. Looked like there yeah. was going to be an eight-run game. <clears throat> yeah, they were close to it Yeah, with a question call at second. Yeah. And then close. who knows what happens if Carly Olsen's allowed to stay at second. Yeah. But, but we did find out what happened when she wasn't allowed right. to stay at second. The five, run, <laughs> five runs were scored, and then we're like, oh, man, we got a set our two-run yeah. game now. So yeah. Haley Wilkin came in and got the save. Yeah, she's she's been solid out of the pen. Bailey Sample got her first win of the season. Uh, and then the second game against Dakota State of the Saturday, that was a good, that was a fun game. A little it was, wild. It was a wild game, that's for sure. Uh, it went back and forth. We scored the first run. They answered right back in the second. Then they scored four in the fourth, and then we answered with one run, so made it a two-run game. Or excuse me, three-run game. And then we scored four in the fifth, tying it up. And then Dakota State took the lead. Then we took the lead in extras. However, in the in extras, they scored one to take the lead, but they p- took their, their designated player and earlier in the game, they pinch hit for her, forgot to re-enter her and she hit, which would have been a two RBI single. 
but she bad out of order. None yeah. of those runs counted, and it was chaos. It was chaos. And then Carly Olsen, or Brooke, let me try that again. Uh, Brooke Rule hit a triple that scored Toringa from second, and then Olsen hit the walk off single in the bottom half. So that was fun. Carly Olsen batting 367 so far this season. She's got nine RBI. Aurora Tyson is batting 375. Um, she has only uh, she has played in all 10 games, and Ashton Grissom, I should say 10 out of 11 games, and Ashton Grissom, nine hits. She is batting 409 so far this year for the Defender women. They play four more this weekend, correct? Yes, they got Waldorf, Dakota State, Dickinson State, and Mayville State. So, And that uh, they play at 4 and 6 o'clock tomorrow evening, Correct. and then noon and 4 o'clock on Saturday, all in the climate-controlled ASB Sports Complex. Could almost play outside this weekend. We could. I don't know if Leave and Matron with the grounds crew over at uh, the Open Space Park would be in favor of it. We but are going to want these conditions later oh, on. Oh, we, we kill for this in April. Because it's not going to be windy. No. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. So, anyhow, four games this weekend. Uh, let's see if the Defender women can get a few more. Go, uh, well, three and one would get them to seven and eight. So not quite to 500. I don't know. I don't, it gets hard to win four games in a weekend. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And then uh, they're playing at Claremont, Florida. You, are you familiar with where Claremont, Florida is, Matt? I have no idea where you're, Claremont. you're my resident Floridian. <laughs> I feel like it's around Orlando, but I'm not sure. I think it is. And then Lake Wales, um, playing some games. And that as is I, around Orlando. Lake Wales is. 12 games beginning on March the 5th. Don't spill my coffee, Josh. We could have (laughs) chaos then. And then uh, they wrap up on Monday, March 11th and return home. And then conference play begins on Wednesday, March the 20th. We'll see if we're still sunshine and 50 at that point. We can hope. We can hope. We can hope. Okay, so that's uh, we've covered baseball, we've covered softball, we have track and field in the books, basketball, men's volleyball played one match last weekend against Viterbo. Good win for the defenders and a team that seems to kind of be finding its way. It feels uh, they are finding out that Nicodemus Elliott can produce. Um, Lucas Vingrone again doing a pretty nice job of running the offense, in my estimation, as a casual observer, and. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're figuring things out. Now, it will help if they get some people healthy. Um, there are some spots when they get, for lack of a better word, get stuck in rotation. They needed one more hammer, and uh, hopefully we figure that out at some point this year um, and see if uh, we can get some production out of those spots. But uh, for their efforts, Nicodemus Elliott and Lucas Van Groningen, both named Great Plains Athletic Conference attacker and setter of the week. Probably should have gotten it the week before, but the deadline snuck up on someone who's hosting this. (laughs) So... What? Yeah, it happens, <laughs> it happens, especially through the transition to the new season. And uh, sometimes we're we're in the business of communication, and sometimes the worst thing we are at, we, we do is communicate. So anyhow, <laughs> um, my apologies there, but they they were awarded the uh, got the honor this past week, and uh, 
Lucas is a known quantity. Nicodemus, we're figuring out after he transferred from Graceland last year. Looking at Lucas's numbers, 45 assists, but eight kills, 12 attacks. You were there. Is he actually attacking or is it the dump with the set? Um, it's a little of both. Okay. Um, some second contacts where he, if the he's gotten pretty adept at reading the blocker, obviously. I... I am convinced in watching men's volleyball, they forget more than women where the setter is in the rotation defensively. Uh, they just, I mean, I don't know if that says something about men and women or not, but they they just lose track of he's he's hot, so to speak, and he goes up unblocked. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so that that's part of it. Um, the dump... Uh, he had a couple where he was able to flip it past his head, his ear, basically, to the back sideline because the block was cheating over. Sometimes those land in, sometimes they don't. That particular night, they landed in. So that's that's how he got his kills. It was pretty. It was a variety of ways, and he got the last two of the final set to nice. to win the match. Impressive numbers for him. Yeah, very good. And Nicodemus has shown that uh, he can. He, he's productive, very productive. And uh, in a post-game interview I had with him a week and a half ago, uh, he said, my job is just to hit the ball hard and see what happens. And so, Good attitude. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's another thing that I've noticed with men's volleyball, more so than women. Men rely on the right side or the opposite attack more than women. Women, you, put, you, you typically put your most productive attacker on the outside, mm-hmm. on the left side. As you face the net, um, men's volleyball. You think of Caleb Kaliza last year. You think of uh, Nicodemus Elliott this year, and some of that's out of necessity because that's where the best player is right now for Dort. But they're over on the right side instead of the left side. That's another thing that I've noticed with women. Um, the difference between women's and men's volleyball. Kate Schmidt also had a good night. Yeah, seventeen points. Yes, and uh, he served it pretty well. Um, he. He's not a big guy. I no. mean, not not a tall guy by any means. So uh, he's going to have to continue to figure out ways to be productive uh, against probably more taller. And I mean, he he's going to be paired up against six five and six six guys, and he's no. probably six three ish. So, but no, he had a very yeah, productive hit night. Three oh three. So yep. And so uh, it's Jamestown this weekend, and out of the frying pan and into the fire for the men's volleyball team, taking on the team that is picked to be the uh, Great Plains Athletic Conference champion. So uh, first conference match of the year, Jamestown here at the DeWitt Gym, and that will be a 3 o'clock start time for the varsity competition on Saturday. What am I missing? Cheer and dance competed last weekend. Hockey All-Conference Honors. Hockey All-Conference Honors. Let's uh, pull up the results on the cheer and dance. Um, I'm pulling up cheer as we speak. Yep, and I'll take a look at dance. I want to make sure that I get it correct. The dance team, if I remember correctly, finished fourth. Now I'm going to pull it up and check. Not fifth. Fifth out of eight, 78.73 points. And for the cheer team, I think they finished second. They second, second out of eight, almost 80 points. Yep. And then the, the, the dance team competed against Lewis Clark State in a uh, duel, and they won that one. Now it is the GPAC Championship slash NAI Regional Qualifier for them. Not this weekend, not next weekend, but the weekend after that, they go to Crete, Nebraska, as uh, Doan is the uh, 
typical host for the Great Plains Athletic Conference Championship slash NAI Regional Qualifier. That's because our colleague Rick loves that. Well, it 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 really fits his personality <laughs> that sure he does. would be the cheer and dance guy. Yep. He just is like, the cheer and dance guy. Just like Dave Albrecht at Midland was that guy for a while. And uh, yeah, to hear him talk about it, he became much more of an expert in that than he ever thought he would be. I don't think he needs to worry about that at South Florida anymore. Probably not. Yeah, he's the, he's the baseball guy there. So. He is. Um, hockey. Three players earned all-conference honors. Yeah, Griffin Lennis yes. for the forward. There's a Zach shock. Esp- yeah, right? Zach Espenson uh, from defense, and then Graham Edmond. Keeper, goalie. Goalie, yeah. yeah. And then Tyler Morgan for coach. Yeah. So it was a solid year. Definitely one to be proud of. I wanted to look at Griffin Lennis with 27 goals in the season. It was unbelievable, so it makes sense that he was the selection. And the, But I feel like for the def- uh, defenseman selections, that's a little – Harder to yeah. judge, right? Because there's not a ton of stats for defense, correct, or any really. Well, goals allowed, average, and but you're amazed at how productive defensemen are actually. And he actually had a decent year from a point production okay. standpoint. Yeah. And then Graham Edmond yep. uh, had an eleven three and one record with forty three goals against and two ninety goals against average. 467 saves. I would be curious, and I'm going to make a – I have uh, scheduled a visit with Tyler. I think it's going to be after spring break. But one of the things I do want to ask him is how much did his key a goalie benefit from the fact that he had a very capable second goalie, and yeah. so they did not have to play back-to-backs Friday night and Saturday because I would think that in goal, in hockey especially, you face so many shots – that has to be taxing to try and if you have to go Friday and Saturday. Yeah, uh, Graham played most of the games. Yeah, he had 15 games played, but Charlie with a good sample size, especially yeah. as a freshman too, yeah. coming against not against that's a wrong word to put it, but as the backup to someone who proved that they could do it last year. But Charlie had eight games played. Yep, yeah. had a seven and zero record. Had a decent goals against average. Yeah, as well. two eighteen. Yeah. So 103 saves with an 86.6 save percentage. And the final ratings came out for the ACHA. Did you get that I from Tyler? Seen him, no, I did. Okay, seventeen. <laughs> they missed. They basically oh. missed the. Uh, they missed getting into the nationals by a spot. That's tough. Yeah. So the, as we talked about, they are likely going to have to adjust their schedule a little bit. Um, hopefully, and that might involve some traveling to go face people yeah. on the road, but maybe you can get some home and aways where you play them away this year and home the following year. But um, hockey, a great year, and uh, come up just one spot shy. I'm looking at our list of sports. I think that's everything. Yeah, I'm sure I missed something. This time of the year, you always do. GPAC pairings will come out Saturday night. Saturday night, yeah. They won't wait till Sunday, will they? No, it'll be Saturday night. Nice. And is our schedule different than it has been? Is it, For some reason, I have always felt like track and field was the same weekend that we wrapped up basketball. But it, am I imagining l- that? No, it's a week later. And then spring break is usually when we hit nationals. Right. So I think, did we start a week early? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I, because I can remember our commissioner, Corey Westra, at GPAC track, 
and he's busy helping to put together the brackets for basketball that at the mm-hmm. same time. Correct. Okay, so I, I'm you're, you're not losing. I'm it. glad to hear that because yeah. there have been points over the last week where I have thought I've been losing it. So thank you for that. Not yet. Well, the day's not over. Um, <laughs> so th- thank you for that. Um, indoor track and field. One final note on that: Who is the team that basically we're chasing? I mean, teams are chasing. It sounds like there's one front runner that really has gotten everyone's attention this year on the men's side. Who is that? It's Cumberland Okay. of Tennessee. Is it Tennessee or Kentucky? Yeah. Yes. That one. Yes. Okay. And I was looking at it, and they have a lot of freshmen, and they're very good in the in the six, the eight, the thousand. They okay. Kinda, they kind of match up with us. Mirror well. us. Yeah. They, they're going to pile up points potentially there. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to watch, and so that gives our listeners, if they care, if they want to watch indoor track and field or pay attention to it at least, that is the school to watch in terms of how they are doing, and that gives you an idea of what events to really focus in on. I think that is it. We've got softball tomorrow, so we'll be busy with that. Basketball, men's volleyball. We are sliding our way to March, so uh, we will get there, and... uh, I can't believe that this is our final weekend of softball. It seems like just yesterday we were saying, hey, it's time for yeah. our first softball classic. This is the fourth one. I remember the, I remember the meeting before. You're like, get ready. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, gone, it's gone well. We'll we'll be at, I think, 66 games managed and administrated. It's a lot of games. By the time... By the time we have our department meeting on Monday, I think we'll have finished up 66 softball games that we've administered. So great job, everyone. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for Defender Discussions for Thursday, February 22. For (laughs) Jess Tatt and Matt Boss, (laughs) I'm Mike Biker, I think. Have a great weekend.